listening to Radio Maria. This is Credo, and today I have Sister Danuta, who is one of the Daughters of Divine Charity, which is an apostolic and very, very active religious order that I believe was founded in Austria. Is that right, Sister Danuta? Yeah, absolutely correct. <laughs> That's right, yes. And you're yes, in, a, in Vienna. Yes, and you have a you're part of the community in Hunstanton. That's right. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, not too far away from us. And uh, so, Sister Linda, what are you here to talk to us about? I want to continue from my last talk, which I can't even remember when it was. It seems like at least uh, ten years ago, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure it was perhaps maybe a couple of months ago, and. I entitled uh, today's program, Let Me See Your Face, uh, Let Me Hear Your Voice. And some of you might be able to recognize that as the quotation from the Song of Songs, uh, which summarizes very beautifully in that poetic way uh, our quest for God. And that's something that I want to be talking about and also how God meets us in that quest. And I think that um, that Christmas season is a very appropriate season to be talking about God coming to meet us in our quest for Him, uh, and also um, about our longing to get to know uh, God more. I think that uh, we'll start with a prayer. We'll ask Holy Spirit to be with us and to guide us. So let's start in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come, giver of all the good spiritual gifts. Come to be the light in our minds. Come to be the flame in our souls and the fire in our hearts. So that we may tonight draw closer to the mystery of God. And may all of our listeners, all those who are listening to this program tonight, may be touched by God's presence. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you may increase in each one of us the desire uh, to know God more, know Him more closely, and to enter into a profound personal relationship with Him. Amen. Amen. So let me just do a quick uh, recap from uh, our last talk. So last time we talked about man's capacity for God and about the ways of coming to know God. And in all of that, we focus especially on creation. So it was lovely to hear just before uh, the lady who was talking about the planets, who apparently are all visible tonight on our sky. And so we said that... um, man who is created in the image of God um, can actually arrive at certainty about the existence of God just by the uh, light of his reason. Uh, And there is even more to that uh, because we are not only called to know God as we know other things or we know about other things or about people, but we are called and, and invited into communion with God into personal relationship with God. And that's the foundation of our dignity. Um, So what can we say about God when we um, get to know him as we contemplate his creation? I remember last time quoting um, the words from the Book of Wisdom and that from the greatness and beauty of created things, comes a corresponding perception of the Creator. From the greatness and beauty of created things comes a corresponding perception of the Creator. Um, So we can take the creation as our starting point uh, to talk about God, to name Him. Um, Especially when we think about the creation's perfections, their goodness, their beauty, uh, they are the truth as well. And however, when we start talking about God, um, starting from creation, uh, very soon we experience that our language is uh, very, very limited. And that's something that I mentioned last time as well. 
Um, and also, it's not just our language that is limited, but also our human ways of knowing and of thinking are limited. We have to admit that. <laughs> and um, somehow we intuitively know that whatever we say about God, uh, however fully we want to express that uh, mystery about God's person, who, whom he is, um, he's always so much more. <laughs> we can never exhaust uh, God in our words, as it were. You might be familiar with a book which is a kind of biography that was written by uh, St. Augustine, and that's entitled uh, Confessions. And in that he wrote um, words that perhaps you heard before because they are very, very famous, often quoted. Uh, he's addressing God in that book, um, and he's saying, you are higher, you are higher than my highest and more inward than my innermost self. Yeah, higher than my highest and more inward than my innermost self. And so he already recognized that God is always so much more that he transcends um, everything that we can perceive, understand, grasp and express. And our human words always, always, inevitably uh, just fall short of the mystery of God. Um, and just recently, uh, it came to my mind that it's quite interesting that many people down the centuries, uh, people who've been blessed with very intimate and very profound experience of God, and here I am talking about mystics, uh, those people used uh, poetry as a tool to express the uh, inexpressible, the mystery of the person of God. Um, Think, for example, about St. John of the Cross and that Spanish mystic and his spiritual canticle. The full title is a Spiritual Canticle of the Soul and of the Bridegroom Christ. Uh, and in that canticle, in that beautiful poem, quite long, and in which he just poured out his soul and showed uh, the intimacy with God that we can attain if we persevere, and he did that in beautiful stanzas, and he composed that during his long imprisonment at um, Toledo. Um, and very often we might find that uh, actually it is uh, images or uh, poetry, poetic language that is the, the best way actually of talking about God because what we want to express just in our simple words might not, not be enough. We are searching for something much more uh, meaningful. Uh, we are trying to uh, convey meaning that transcends what our human terms can actually convey. Um, I already mentioned that uh, I've given uh, today's program the title, Let Me See Your Face, Let Me Hear Your Voice. Um, which is a quote from the Song of Songs. And that spirit, spiritual canticle of St. John of the Cross, uh, it's a paraphrase, kind of like a bridge paraphrase uh, of the Song of Songs. Um, and throughout that, uh, that Song of Songs, that book, uh, we can sense all the time the desire uh, to be able to know God, uh, know Him on a very profound, very intimate level. Uh, so those words, let me uh, see your voice, sorry, let me see your face, let me hear your voice. Um, that expression of a desire that um, even if it's somehow quenched or dormant for ver various reasons uh, in us, but still it is, I believe, common to every human being uh, we all have got that desire uh, somehow to come closer to God, to know Him, know Him uh, personally. Um, because as John Paul II wrote, created by God and for God, we all bear an indelible imprint of God. And uh, we've got that longing that nobody and nothing can really uh, 
fulfill, quench. Um, every man is drawn to God. Um, I believe, I believe that, and searches for Him really when He's searching for happiness, uh, for fulfillment, for love, uh, for that safety that love gives, for meaning. Um, and as, as I said, uh, our human language is limited and our ways of knowing, of thinking are limited. Uh, so that, that quest, that searching for God will be quite uh, desperate and <laughs> doomed to failure in a way. And if that was just our desire, but of course we desire God and we start looking for him because he desired us first. Uh, and he's coming to meet us first. Uh, and yes, he does meet us uh, in, in this quest. And the Catechism talks about another order of knowledge of God, uh, which we cannot possibly arrive at by our own powers. So it's something much more than just coming to the knowledge of the existence of God when we contemplate his creation. And then we can be certain that yes, must be God um, behind that beautiful and ordered um, creation, the God who is the beginning and the end and the uh, final goal of it and meaning of it all. Um, so there is also the order of divine revelation um, and the experience come on to us all is that um, when you are attracted to someone especially when you are in love with them, uh, you want to get to know them um, more closely. You want to know more and more about them. You want to know more about their interests, their passions, about their family, friends, perhaps, I don't know, maybe their, their pets, <laughs> about their past, and so on and so forth. And, but also, it works uh, both ways, really, because you also want to reveal yourself to them. Um, perhaps sometimes you tell them things about yourself and about your life that you have never shared with any, anybody else. And um, I know that from my own experience that there is something very powerful in that self-revelation. And that's for both sides, for the person who uh, receives that but also for the person who is talking about themselves and revealing that. Um, we also know that it means making ourselves vulnerable when we let our others into our, our life, especially our inner life. Uh, when we tell about what inspires us, what is precious, important to us, but also about um, our struggles, um, our hurts, our fears, our wounds. Um, but then that getting to know each other uh, on a very personal and profound level is necessary. And if our relationship, especially relationship of uh, deep French friendship or love, um, is going to be something uh, more than just a fleeting emotional state. Um, if my love for someone is to be genuine, I know that I need to um, get to know them as they are um, first. And we also know from experience that often it works the other way around as well. And that the closer we know someone, uh, the more we bond with them, the dearer they become to us. Um, and that love starts growing, that friendship starts growing as we um, come closer to them. Um, Saint Faustina, in her diary, she recorded that prayer when she prayed to Jesus. Uh, and she asked Jesus, Oh my Jesus, I'm quoting now, Oh my Jesus, give me wisdom, give me a mind great and enlightened by your light, and this only that I may know you better, O Lord, for the better I get to know you, the more ardently will I love you. 
So she re realized that very, very well that the better she gets to know Jesus, the better she gets to know God, the more ardently uh, will she love him. Now, God does not want to hide himself from us. Uh, that wouldn't be um, very sensible on his, uh, on his part. And he would be contradicting himself if he created uh, the whole world and then man as the, the crown of the creation and then just was trying to hide from us. Of course, he wants to be known and he wants our response of love. And so in his uh, great love, his goodness and his wisdom, he chose to reveal himself to us. Um, that was his completely free choice. Um, the Catechism in point 52 tells us that God wants to communicate his own divine life uh, to the men he, he created in order to adopt them as his sons in his only begotten son. Let me read that again. Um, catechism is often very concise, uh, so it takes time to assimilate the content of what it's actually uh, telling us. So God wants to communicate his own divine life to the men he created in order to adopt them as his sons in his only begotten son. Uh, and of course, Jesus is the fullness of the divine revelation. Um, and in him and through him, God has told us everything he wanted to tell us about himself. And I'll be uh, talking more about that a little bit later. Um, but first of all, I think it's time for our musical break. Yeah, that's a, uh, we've got a great song. We've got um, Chris Tomlin, How Great Is Our God. So I think that's uh, very appropriate from what you... <laughs> One of my favourite ones, thank it, you. Ah, oh, wonderful. That was a good choice. I love that one.
My favourite songs and one of Sister Donata's favourite songs. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Credo on Radio Maria. We have Sister Donata here talking about how we can, well, how we can communicate about God. How we can. It's difficult to express. It is very difficult. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we always find uh, obstacles, and uh, we come to the point where we we feel that uh, whatever we say about God uh, doesn't it really doesn't, do him justice doesn't give, <laughs> give enough credit I heard yes, yesterday I came across something it was I don't know mm-hmm. revelation or something but the angels were saying when, when, a, when a word in Hebrew is repeated um, it's not repeated just in case you didn't hear it the first time it's repeated because mm-hmm. it needs emphasising like shalom shalom it doesn't mean peace, peace. It means perfect peace. So it's emphasizing, saying the same word twice. And in the Bible, it says that the angels um, mm-hmm. were, were saying, holy, holy, holy. So they're not just saying holy, holy, holy. They're, they're emphasizing it and emphasizing it and emphasizing it exactly. They're trying to tell us how holy <laughs> he is. I think it was to Isaiah. I can't remember exactly right, where yeah. it was. So, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. I just, that just popped into my head. <laughs> yes, very appropriate and fitting. And as I mentioned just before the musical break, that Jesus is the fullness of the revelation in him. God said and expressed everything he wanted to tell us about himself. So we should just be repeating Jesus, Jesus, Jesus into eternity. Mm. <laughs> um, but let, let's un- unwrap it up. <laughs> um, so obviously, yes, God wants to be known. Uh, he doesn't want to be hidden uh, somewhere. No, he, he wants to reveal himself to, un- to us. And he did it. Uh, so let's look um, into that more closely. How did God reveal himself to us? And, and um, there are actually two important points uh, to make first of all, about God's revelation. And the first one is that uh, God revealed himself by both deeds and by words. That means by, uh, by what he did, by his actions, and also by what he said. Um, and this is very important. We know that uh, a person expresses themselves not only in their words, in what they say, um, often their acts, their actions, gestures, uh, they tell us so much more about them uh, than their words. Um, when it comes to the divine revelation, obviously the words and the acts uh, are intrinsically bound up uh, with each other, uh, which is not always the case um, with us. Sometimes our words and our actions don't really go hand hand in hand, sadly. Uh, but yeah, in the in the case of the deeds and words of God that are the divine revelation, they complement each other and uh, they express the same reality through words and through actions of God. Uh, so that was the, the first point uh, to note. And the second important point about God's revelation, perhaps even more important, is that um, 
Catechism says that it involves a specific divine pedagogy. And God communicates himself to man gradually. And we all know that when we want to teach others something new, for example, when we want to teach uh, children Italian, we wouldn't start by giving them the Dante's Divine Comedy to read. And we just start with simple words like, and please correct my pronunciation if I'm not, okay, and like ciao, buongiorno, mamma, pizza, come stai? <laughs> Very good. What's <laughs> that good Italian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's, that's the basics, isn't it? So that's how you would start. Um, but then we can start uh, teaching them some simple, useful phrases. And then, after a while, uh, when they get more advanced, we can introduce some, some grammar, perhaps, uh, past tense, etc. Uh, or in any other subject, like maths. I used to help with uh, maths in school a little bit. Um, so obviously you wouldn't uh, start with negative numbers or uh, algebraic expressions with children who've just started counting up to 20. You know, that's obvious. Um, and it's the same with the um, divine revelation. Um, what I was talking about is just an illustration of God's pedagogy with us. Um, he knows that man would not be able to grasp the, the whole of the divine revelation if that was given to him, um, revealed to him in its fullness, uh, just in one instant. Um, man needed to, as, as it were, uh, to learn the divine alphabet first. And anyway, isn't that uh, the same in our relationships with, with other people? Uh, normally, we wouldn't share something very personal um, with some someone um, when we meet them for the first time. Uh, but as we start bonding more and more and our friendship grows, yes, then we tell them more about our private life, our interior life. Um, so we, we reveal ourselves to other people gradually as well. Um, Saint Irenaeus of Lyon, uh, he often used the... Um, the image of God and man becoming accustomed to one another, uh, which is quite an interesting <laughs> concept. And he wrote that the word of God dwelt in man in order to accustom man to perceive God and to accustom God to dwell in man according to the Father's pleasure. So as if, um, in a way, um, God needed to tame man, in a way, and the man needed to tame God uh, so that they could uh, really feel at ease with each other and start really that uh, very uh, close, very personal, intimate relationship. And when I, those, uh, when I read those uh, words of St. Irenaeus that um, God and man, they needed to become accustomed to one another, uh, Straight away, it reminded me of one of my, I think, favorite books, really, when I was a, a teenager, and the, the Little Prince. And, and that prince, he had a very dear friend that was a fox. And by the way, I love foxes. <laughs> and um, before they actually became friends, uh, the Little Prince uh, had to tame the fox. And there's a very, very beautiful conversation uh, in that book, when the fox says to the prince, eh, please tame me. And I would like to quote that actually, uh, that conversation between the prince and the fox. So the fox says, eh, please tame me. I want to very much, the little prince replied, but I have not much time. I have friends to discover and a great many things to understand. One only understands the things that one tames, said the fox. Men have no more time to understand anything. They buy things already made at the shops. But there is no shop anywhere where one can buy friendship. And so men have no friends anymore. 
if you want a friend, tame me. What must I do to tame you? asked the little prince. You must be very patient, replied the fox. First, you will sit down at a little distance from me, like that, in the grass. I shall look at you out of the corner of my eye, and you will say nothing. Words are the source of misunderstandings. But you will sit a little closer to me every day. I think it's quite sweet <laughs> conversation and uh, can show us something and illustrate something of that um, necessity of God being accustomed to man and the man being accustomed to God, first of all, and before God started revealing himself uh, fuller about uh, who he is uh, in his innermost being, um, who he is as, as the Trinity as well. Uh, surely that was revealed to uh, to us straight away from the beginning. We wouldn't be able to understand that. That that's why um, there were some stages of the um, revelation. Uh, so let us uh, have a look at uh, now at the stages of the revelation. How did God reveal Himself? Uh, like what was the alphabet? What what, what were those first words? And the first phrases. Um, I've already mentioned the first stage uh, that God gave witness to himself in created things. Uh, so already he, up to a point, revealed himself through creation and in creation. At least uh, he, gave, he gave us a knowledge that he does exist. And when we look at the perfection, perfections uh, of the um, created beings, uh, we can um, get to know about the perfections of God, uh, but this is very limited. So beyond that, um, God manifested himself uh, from the very beginning to our first parents. Um, and that's something that we could uh, actually envy them because they were able to know him um, with the human faculties, and at that point they were not distorted or uh, obscured by sin. Uh, so their perception, their um, understanding, their reasoning uh, were perfectly clear, uh, very, very much focused. Um, they were like a you know sharp arrow that wouldn't miss the, the, the target. Um, but also. And they were able to, to know God by the supernatural light of grace. And they were full of grace at that, at that point before the fall, before uh, the first sin. Um, and God, obviously, he didn't only want them to, to know him, uh, but he invited them from the very beginning. Uh, and in them, he invited us, every human being, to intimate communion with him. Um, and that was symbolically expressed um, by giving them the dominion over all the creatures. Uh, that was his sharing, God's sharing everything with them, uh, walking with them in the garden, talking with them like friends. And so it is, yes, it is very sad that uh, the original sin then happened and man is no longer able to know God in the, in the same way. But it is also important to note, and the Catechism reminds us about that, that um, this revelation, that first revelation to our first parents, uh, that was not broken off by their sin. Um, we know that God did not leave them to themselves and he did not abandon them. He didn't say like, okay, that was your choice to do, do something that you are not supposed to, to be doing. And uh, so, yeah, if, if you think you know uh, better, so, yeah, good luck. <laughs> no, he, he did not leave them to their own devices, but instead he promised them salvation. Um, and we've got that in the book of Genesis. Um, and he offered them his covenant. And then we've got a series of covenants. Uh, so these are the deeds 
uh, the actions of God, but also accompanied by by words, um, in which God revealed Himself uh, more and more. The first covenant was with Noah, and I'm sure that we are all very familiar with the story of Noah and the flood and the ark and all the animals going to the ark in pairs. Um, and you might also remember about the covenant that God promised in that covenant, covenant that uh, he would never again destroy the whole earth by flood. Um, and that means that the, that inherent relationship between God as the creator and um, the creation and us as the creation uh, would never be broken. Um, and we know that that covenant with Noah and with all living beings uh, will remain in force as long as the word lasts. Um, it will be always, always valid. And that was the first covenant. Uh, and there were more after that. Uh, the next one is very, very well known as well. And that's the covenant with Abraham. Um, what sin did uh, that that brought a lot of division, um, division between God and man, yes, for, for sure, but also division uh, between um, human beings. We see that in the Garden of Eden already when if Eve is blaming Adam, Adam is blaming Eve, um, and then the, the children, uh, Abel and Cain, there is division between them, between those two as well, and one kills the other, becomes murderer. Um, and that division then just uh, spreads more and more. And so in order to gather, uh, gather together the humanity that has been divided by sin and has been scattered, uh, God called Abram from his country, from his father's house. And God changed his name into Abraham, uh, that is the father of the multitude of nations. And also God blessed him. Uh, that was the content of the covenant. So God blessed Abraham and in him all the nations. Um, we also know that um, Abraham was promised a son and that Isaac, uh, who was later born to Abraham, uh, was the figure of Christ, the only begotten son of God, the son of the promise, the one who, through his sacrifice, uh, would gather together the scattered children of God. So we had um, the covenant with Noah and then Abraham, and then um, comes the, the era of the patriarch started from Abraham, and then we've got Isaac, Jacob, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and God is forming Israel as his people. And we know that he frees them from slavery in Egypt. And then uh, there's another covenant, um, and that's on Mount Sinai. Um, and at that point, also through Moses, God gives um, Israel the law. Um, and through that law, um, they could recognize and serve God as their father. They would recognize that um, he's that father who lovingly and uh, providentially looks after them and he provides for them. Uh, the God who is also a just judge, yes, uh, and he is the one true and living God. So that was the next covenant, and uh, that covenant was part of the self-revelation of God uh, when he made himself known uh, to the people of Israel. Then uh, we have the era of the prophets, uh, and through the prophets, God formed his people in the hope of salvation, and he made them long for a savior. Uh, and all the prophetic books, that longing for a savior uh, is very prevalent, uh, very poignant. Um, but also God formed uh, Israel in the expectation of another uh, covenant, a new covenant and everlasting covenant. Uh, and that covenant was intended not just uh, for Israel, but for all the people. 
uh, and that covenant uh, would be written on their hearts. Uh, as the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah said, the covenant written on their hearts. And I would also like to mention uh, some women through uh, who through throughout the centuries um, featured somehow in the plan of um, the divine revelation and they uh, kept alive that hope of Israel's salvation. Um, we know of Sarah, uh, Abraham's wife, uh, Rebecca, Rachel, uh, we've got Deborah, Hannah, uh, Judith, Esther, many, many of them really. Um, and of course, I want to mention the, the one who is the most beautiful of all of them and the, the purest, and that's Mary of Nazareth. And um, at those days when we gaze at the crib and we contemplate the coming of Jesus uh, to us um, as a tiny, vulnerable, a very humble baby, of course, we cannot uh, not think about Mary. Um, so throughout all these stages of revelation, and of course, I've just skimmed uh, through, through them quite briefly, through all those covenants, and there is so much more to them. But throughout all of that, um, God was preparing us uh, to accept the salvation that was destined for, for everybody, for all humanity, for all the descendants of Abraham, uh, who is our father in faith. Um, and the final stage, as I said uh, already, um, and this is what we celebrate and what we contemplate at Christmas. Uh, God has revealed himself fully by sending us his own son, um, Jesus. Uh, and in him, he has established uh, that everlasting covenant with uh, each one of us. Um, when we said that um, the covenant was intended for all the descendants of Abraham, of course we are not talking just about the bonds of blood. Um, although the Israelites, the, the Jewish people, yes, they are our older brothers and sisters uh, in the faith. Um, but Abraham is the father of our faith. So we are talking about the bonds of faith, about the order of faith. And so that covenant is for all of them. And so Jesus is that, that fullness of all revelation and everything that God wanted to tell us and to reveal us about himself. Uh, he told us in Jesus, uh, although not just uh, through his words, through uh, what Jesus actually said, and we can read uh, his words in the Bible, but also uh, through his gestures, these are very important through his actions uh, and through his whole way of life, his whole attitude to life as well. Mm. And this is something uh, absolutely amazing and, and beautiful and moving that uh, God, at some point, at that final stage of revelation, uh, he came so close to us that we could actually see his face. You know, we could look God in his eyes and perhaps, okay, not me or you, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there were people, you know, human beings, uh, John and other disciples and so many other people who encountered Jesus, his parents, his cousins, uh, his friends, uh, they could listen to him speak and they could watch him work. Uh, they could watch him perform miracles, uh, pray, etc. Um, they could eat and laugh with him, they, ca they could uh, labor, rest with him. Um, John, one of the twelve apostles, uh, who called himself the disciple whom the Lord loved, uh, wrote, wrote about this uh, in one of his uh, texts, uh, and that's um, what we hear uh, in, in one of the readings that is read over Christmas. And I would like to quote that first uh, letter of St. John, um, chapter 1, starting from the first verse. And John says, and obviously he's talking about Jesus here, 
and how he knew Jesus. Something which has existed since the beginning that we have heard and we have seen with our own eyes that we have watched and touched with our hands the world who is life. This is our subject. That life was made visible. We saw it and we are giving our testimony. Uh, so it is really amazing that uh, what we believe, what has been passed down to us, is not just uh, some idea, uh, some concept, some um, philosophical statement. No, 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 this is that comes from a living experience of people who actually uh, could be so close uh, to Jesus, uh, who is the full revelation of God, uh, his Father. St. John of the Cross, uh, again, that's one of my favorite <laughs> spiritual writers, I have to quote him quite a lot. Um, but he wrote uh, something very, very uh, beautiful about that in his book, The Ascent of Mount Carmel. And he said, um, in giving us his son, his only word, for he possesses no other, he spoke everything to us at once in the sole word. And he has no more to say, because what he spoke before to the prophets in part, he has now, now spoken all at once by giving us the all who is his son. And he also asks uh, any person questioning God or desiring some vision or revelation would be guilty not only of foolish behavior, but also of offending him by not fixing his eyes entirely upon Christ and by living with the desire for some other novelty. Um, so we know that um, because Jesus is the fullness of revelation, there will be no further revelation. Um, and I think I will stop here. And next time, perhaps I will tell about tell more uh, about how that divine revelation has been transmitted to us. And I want to talk about the tradition and, and also about the scripture, and then and a focus on the, the scripture as the word of God, but the living word of God. Thank you very much. That sounds like a good plan. That sounds like a great plan. Thank you very much. We will look forward to that. We'll definitely look forward to that. Thank you. Sister Donata, um, do you have any closing words or a final prayer for our listeners? Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we are still in the Christmas season, uh, not that, that good at counting, but I believe it's, uh, it must be the fifth day of Christmas, because, yes, Sunday was the first day of Christmas, and today is Thursday, right. Um, so I hope that uh, you had enough time among all the busyness of uh, cooking the Christmas dinner and then perhaps having your guests and making multiple phone calls and video calls and doing uh, other, all the other lovely things, that you had uh, really uh, enough time uh, to stop, uh, to kneel down at the crib, uh, to gaze at the figures at the crib of uh, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and Jesus, obviously. Uh, and not only to gaze um, at them with your, with your eyes, but also with that um, penetrating gaze of our faith um, and this is my, my wish for, for all, all of you dear listeners and my, my prayer as well that um, as we contemplate uh, the mystery of, of Jesus being born as a tiny baby in such humility uh, in such poverty as well that we may all be blessed with that uh, grace to get to know him more Get him, uh, get to know him more closely, and uh, to get to know him as he really is. So, Lord, Lord Jesus, we ask you, uh, 
that as you, from the very beginning, started through being uh, yourself to man, through all those different stages, and, and we've experienced those stages also in our personal lives, and we thank you for all those people who transmitted the faith to us, the ones who taught us faith, the, the people who told us about you. Uh, and we thank you that uh, we can read about you more in the scriptures, uh, that we can have the living experience of you in the sacrament, in the community of the of the church. And whenever we gather together to pray in your name, you are there. We ask you that uh, you may draw us into a new level of knowing you, uh, a new level of friendship uh, and relationship relationship of love with you. Amen. Amen. That's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was delightful. I'm really grateful for everything you shared with us on Radio Maria this evening. And uh, I can't wait for you to come back next week. And tell us more. No, can I? <laughs> so God bless, God bless everybody uh, who has been listening to us this evening. And I hope you've got a really good light. And uh, we'll not see each other, but we'll um, be able to connect again uh, next week at the same time. So God bless you. God bless you too, sister. Thank you. Thank you very much.